Good morning, everyone. Hello and welcome to episode number 110 of the VK Bros on a beautiful, sunny, springtime, clear morning up here in uh, beautiful Bris Vegas. How are you, Alex? Yeah, I'm good. I did get, just like, like I said before, I did say thought I was having a heart attack this morning. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's down to uh, Domino's. I had Domino's last night. All right. Now, I, I try to go to my... I've got there's a there's a place in Brisbane that has the best pizza. Yep. And I try to go there. Give me a shout time. out. A river there, Chi. A river there, A river there. I think we've spoken about a river there, before. But the problem is on a Friday night for me to get there on Coronation Drive. Right. It can take me forty minutes to get down the road. Mm-hmm. And there's a Domino's the next street over. Yep. So I had that. I had a pizza and a garlic bread. Mm-hmm. The whole thing. Yeah which I don't usually do, but I had the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And the, my heart was was burning so much this morning that I woke up, put my Apple Watch on to check if I was having a heart attack. Because <laughs> I thought it was just like a pull, so I was like sort of moving around. Yeah, 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 yeah. And no, that's not it, that's not it. Okay, no, something's happening. So yeah, I put the watch on, I was like 98 beats per minute in bed. No. It's not a heart attack. No, it's no. 198 it's... would be... A, be a bit yeah, of a yeah, yeah, and yeah. then like oh, there's a cardiogram or something. It's a different thing, and it, it says like in bold, "This cannot tell you if you're having a heart attack." And I'm like, I think you can. <laughs> I think you can. So yeah, there was that. But I wanted to talk about the biggest news that happened this week. Do you know what that is? Well, it would be the Queen dying, wouldn't it? No, this is a bigger story than that that no one's talking about. Right. Uh, the James Webb Telescope. Mm-hmm. Looks like it's disproven the Big Bang. Interesting. Okay, so... Okay. I have not heard anything about this. Now, I have not had my ear to the ground on literally anything this week. Yeah. Been a bit of a chaotic week, all things considered. Uh, all right, hit me with it. So I took some notes last night because it is a pretty big... It is a pretty big uh, story. Yep. So everyone knows what the Big Bang is, right? We yep. think that our universe started effectively out of nothing... Mm-hmm. And exploded out in this ever-expanding universe. Yep. Okay? That has been the theory. I believe it came out from like the uh, 1500... A priest or something came up with the idea. And then uh, scientists have... Or thought they had proven that that was the case. Mm-hmm. But it looks like the JWST... The photos show that the yeah, universe isn't as big as we thought. Right. Because the perspective, so the way I'm going to try to explain it, okay? Mm-hmm. So if you imagine, and all, all the things tie into this example, so the YouTube viewers are probably going to get a better, I'll try and, I'll try and illustrate as best as possible. If you had an explosion, mm-hmm. right, and everything moves out from that explosion, right? Yeah. Now, uh, you could also assume that because, like, in the void of space, there should be nothing stopping those those things from still going. Yeah, that's right. Right, so that's the ever-expanding part. And all, and we also know that, like, stars kind of grow over time as well. Like, and suns grow, like, bigger and bigger, more dense, more mm-hmm. um, more uh, massive mm-hmm. um, until they, like, expire. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's kind Supernova. of... Supernova. That was our understanding. So with that rationale... You should say that the, the, the galaxies further away from us mm-hmm. should be much more massive than the ones close to us. Well, JDLST has 
kind of disproven that. They found the first story was like we found way more galaxies than we thought existed. Mm-hmm. The second thing they found is well, those galaxies aren't anywhere near as big as what we thought they should be, right. given the Big Bang theory. Okay. Now, also, um, there is no evidence. There appears to be no evidence, or not as much. So they they have witnessed galaxies crashing into each other, mm-hmm. and it does something to their formation. And yeah. the, this this thing I watched last night about it was like, if you crash your car, you know, like you'd have you look for evidence of the dents on the car to know that yep, it's been yep. in contact with something. Yep. So it does some stuff to like the way it orbits, the stuff that orbits around it. You can see that stuff. And the idea being there's all these massive explosions that, and all this stuff punching together which created our, our universe. Right. Well, they can't really find any evidence of that either. Right. Now, the, this is the one that I like the most. When you, when you do that explosion uh, action, mm-hmm. right... The, say the first things and the in the farthest things away mm-hmm. should be more separated, right? Than like their counterparts. Yeah, yeah. Because they're ever like they're moving away, like constantly. a shotgun spread. Like the yeah, further yeah, yeah. out the blast goes, the more volatile it spread. Yeah, yeah. Well, JWST can look so far that they've realised that there's like not as much space between the farthest galaxies than they than they thought. Right. So literally. You know, all creationists are like, told you so. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and Well, creationists, you always have the 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 ace up the sleeve of, even even with the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, okay, cool. So what caused the Big Bang in the first place? Well, like yeah, the I mean, I actually, of... I actually argue that the, the creationist story and the Big Bang Theory were effectively the same thing, just yeah. narrated from different people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, yeah. like, yeah, you could be perceived as both things. Yeah, but the question is always like, okay, so you had the Big Bang in space that you know created all the matter moving outwards, but it's also like what created space in the first place. Yeah. So that's another question. Yeah. That is another question. So, I um, thought you were going to say the telescope could zoom out so far they literally saw God and he was holding up a sign going, "I made it, <laughs> idiots." We, you know, we might be we might be getting there, but um, just on that creationist theory thing. I wondered if thousands and thousands of years ago we didn't have the ability to quantify the magnitude of our existence and therefore a story was applied to it so that we could understand something about how we became available. So like, that is, like God yeah. created the earth in seven days or whatever. Yeah. Well, what if it was seven billion years, but we broke it down into days to make it Yeah, easier. and, and that's, I, I think that's got to be the case because I think cultures throughout history have always told stories to uh, explain things they didn't understand. Yeah. So you'd have, you know, Zeus was the thunder god because we didn't understand what thunder and lightning were. Yeah. Like you just say, oh, it's a god being vengeful or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think narratives are, have always played a part in our culture. So that's, that was, to me, that's what the biggest news of the week was. I can't believe no one's really... Do you reckon that's it. what, like, when the Queen found out about that, she had a heart attack? She's like, this is crazy. I've been alive for a long time. Heard a lot the of secrets things. are coming out. Mm. Should we, we should talk about the Queen. What was, what was your take on it? Uh, 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 rest in peace, Queen Yeah, Elizabeth. was it, what did you say, God Save the King? Yeah, the Queen is dead, God Save the King? Yeah. Because Chucky it, Charles is in charge? And I saw a meme yesterday that said, it'll take all of my might to... To not say, to not say, um, King Charles Spaniard. Spaniard. Yeah. Well, are they going to become popular now? Yeah, like King Charles probably. Cavaliers? 
Probably. With big ears? Um, Ugly. What? I, I thought it was interesting. Look, you know, obviously, the, there's always there's always two sides. Like, you look on social media, and on one side, you've got the people who revere the Queen and are very sad about it and are in mourning and, you know, mm. appreciating her for the work she's done of her life. And on the other hand, you've got all the haters going, oh, yeah, what, what did she do? Like, she just got funded by taxpayers her whole life and blah, 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 blah. And they're both right. Again, uh, well, I think in, the latter a, one is bullshit. But yeah, yeah, in, in a way. Because the thing that I was going to say is that, like, you know, it's not the Queen's... It's not uh, Elizabeth's fault that she was put into that situation. Like, and if you asked any single person who was put into that situation, would you just give it up and disband the monarchy and hand over all your money and power to the people? Ask Meghan Markle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you wouldn't. She's, she's gone, hey, Netflix, got any money? Yeah. <laughs> hey, Spotify, can I have some money, please? Yeah, yeah. Um... So, look, I think I think that she has lived a very interesting life. Like if you, we spoke about this a few weeks ago when you people got all the photos of all the leaders of the world that she, and, like, all the American presidents that she has seen come and go and her photos with all mm. of them over time. Like, uh, she has lived a fascinating life. And, and I'll say this. She is a very impressive lady. Mm. So to be given it at 25 years old, to work as a mechanic at, in, in the war... Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the thing that I appreciate about her the most, she drives herself. Yeah, right. So she she's she's a fan of cars. Yeah. She's a fan of horse carriage. She's a horse nut. Mm-hmm. Um, loves a punt, I believe. Yeah. Well, I would too if I was punting with taxpayer money. <laughs> uh, they're her um, subjects. Yeah, her loyal yeah. subjects. Yeah. Um, and I, okay, to the people that said that too, uh, maybe ch- I'll say check your privilege. Ooh. Because she gave you the ability to pay tax to live in a place like that when she was taken, where her family was taken over the world. Yeah. When did when did the monarchy allow for the installation of a government? Is that is that because I don't know anything about it to be perfectly Ooh, frank. I think it's actually a lot later than you think. Yeah. It might have been for World War One. Yeah, I, I don't know. It might have been. Do your own research on it. But that's one of the things that makes me go, that is a way of abdicating power to the people, even though like, even though she kept her station. And again, I don't know if it's her that did it or if it was a previous monarch that allowed the people to have their own democratically elected government to run I'm things. Sure. But in a way, that was a way of going, yeah, cool, I'm still the queen and ultimately I'm, I'm the big dog. But No, 1707. Okay, so it wasn't her. It was... Who was it? It was His Majesty's Government. Oh, back to Boy Summer. Hmm? You women have had it... You know, you've had you've had a, oh, yeah. a female uh, head of state for 70 years now. Yeah. Now, now it's time, now, now time for the boys. We're to out of a toxic matriarchy, the, finally. Yeah, yeah, it's the boys' turn to have a go. <laughs> um, the Government of the United Kingdom domestically referred to... Domestically referred to as His... Majesty's government is a central exclusive authority of the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Mm-hmm. The government is led by Prime Minister, currently Liz Truss, since 6th of September 2022. That was an interesting thing. Well, we'll get to that. Yeah. Uh, who selects all other ministers. The country has had the Conservative-led government since 2010. No, but where is... Anyway, you said it was back in the 1700s. I just think that that's really interesting because, yeah, anyone who's hating on the monarchy, at least the monarchy actually allowed for a democratically elected government to be elected by the people to run things. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think that is a big thing in itself. And what a lot of people don't realise is the, the UK, uh, the British Empire was one of the largest 
empires to ever have existed, mm. you know, and, and yeah, they did some atrocities. <laughs> everyone's <laughs> done some atrocities, Everyone's done some man. atrocities, but, um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm impressed by the lady. She's a JAG fan. Yep. And, uh, and I like the fact that, like, we went and saw her, um, uh, her horse carriage collection. Oh, yeah. And, like, she's passionate about horse carriages like I am about cars. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's cool. Yeah, she, she's, she's an impressive person. Um, uh, you know, at 96 years old, you know, I'm not like, oh, my God, how did this happen? Mm. Like, you know why it's happened. Yeah, yeah. She's really old. Mm-hmm. But um, it'll be interesting to see she what... She survived COVID too, didn't she? Didn't she have COVID a few months ago? Well, to me, this is kind of like the lingering effects of it because she got COVID... Uh, no, it was actually it was probably a while ago. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was like four or five months ago. Yeah, mm. yeah. But um, it's... I mean, it is... I suppose it's very significant. Like, I, I would say don't... Especially if you're a young person, don't sleep on the idea that like, this is a major milestone in Western... Yeah, and there's going to be flow-on effects from this too, which will remain to be seen. Like, there's some things that I've even learnt out of it because, you know, everyone forgets that essentially she was still our head of state. Like... Yeah. And there are ramifications for that. And I only found this out by looking at Voice of Victoria last night. But every state in Australia except Victoria has actually put laws in place which meant that the... um, Ministers don't need to be re-sworn in if right. the monarch does pass away. Uh, so Victoria, everyone needs to be sworn in again. So like you know how Parliament has said that they're closing down for two weeks yep. because you know they're they're in mourning. So you close down Parliament, don't go to work for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, but Victoria itself, I, I think it's a little bit chaotic because they actually all need to be re-sworn in again, and. I think there's a process that needs to happen with Charles first before Charles can be in a position to, I don't know, bestow the authority on whoever it is, whether it's the Governor General or whatever, to re-swear in all the parliamentarians in Victoria, which is obviously hectic because you're also only a couple of months out from their election too. But didn't we already establish that, like, didn't someone work in Parliament for, like, two years and they realised they'd never been sworn in? Wasn't that, like, last year? That No, that wasn't parliamentarians. That was police officers oh that's right yeah yeah yeah. yeah. so there was a whole bunch of um fines that were handed out by police officers in victoria who'd never been sworn in formally so they were all null and void a lot of people might not think that the um british have much significance but look at the name of the state of victoria new south wales queensland like it's this is her state yeah so it is significant It, it was the longest she was the longest reigning Monarch. Monarch, yep. So, um, yeah, it is definitely significant. Um, and, yeah, we'll see how old Kingy C goes. Yeah, look, power to her to get to 96. That's a, it's a good innings. Like, ha- say what you want about, you know, the medical care she had available to her and the, the food she had available. I mean, she, she would have been eating based off the 90s food pyramid for a long period of time, which is yeah. not very good for you. <laughs> so to get to 96, good on her. Well what done. does that mean we saw? What's the new food pyramid? Um, SRIs, SSRIs. Yeah, SSRIs are at the bottom, at the base, and then you had like vaccines and I don't know, I can't remember. Yeah, it, but it, was funny. it was funny, very, very funny. funny. Yeah, so uh, God save the king, Chucky Charles in charge. I saw all the memes too of like you know, um, man who's been unemployed for seventy three years finally has to go to work. <laughs> He's like, <laughs> 
So that will we'll, we'll keep we'll keep an eye on that. I think it's what ten days of mourning or something. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's there's a there's a bit of pomp, but I think it's probably a good opportunity for us to become a republic. Yeah, I I've been thinking about that as soon as I yeah. heard of it as well because it is, you know, it is the the line in the sand that you could go to referendum and you could do it now. And I was I was actually talking to Dad about this yesterday. Oh, a fun story. Dad cooked for Queen Elizabeth. I didn't know that. I'm sure you would have known about it. Um, I know he did the King of Sweden. Yeah, on, on a cruise ship, I don't know, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, yeah, she was on, I think it was at the, I can't remember which cruise island it was, but Dad was chefing. Titanic. Yeah, on the Titanic, probably. So Dad was chefing on it, and yeah, cooked for the Queen. So, fun fact. There you go. Hmm. There you go. Um, but yeah, I was talking to Dad about whether or not this would be an opportunity to turn into a, a republic, and one of the things that I think became very apparent for me after the last two years is Australia's constitution was created when basically we're a penal colony. <laughs> like yeah. the, the rights for the people are not as present in our constitution as they are in other Western countries mm-hmm. like the United States, like, like the UK even. So now is probably a really good opportunity for us to go, uh, maybe we need to right some of those wrongs for the people. And we need to move Australia Day. Mm. That, that, oh, yeah. That, yeah, it gives you... That day is... Uh, and it, it's so funny because there's so much resistance to it. Yeah. Yet if you ask... The people that resist it don't even know what it what it stands for. Mm. It's not a day for Australians. It's a day for the British. Yeah, yeah. It's when they sent the first fleet here. Mm. Like, it's not... I, I, I want to move it. And then all those people that defended it, they just don't want it moved to... Um, something early on in the year because we had too many public holidays at the start of the year. <laughs> yeah, remember they moved the Queen's birthday in yeah. Queensland, was it, I think? Because we had too many public holidays start of the year, so yeah. they moved it to the second half. But I think I'd, I'd like to see... And then my question would be, if we did become a republic, do you change the style of government that we have? I know it's a big change, it's hard to do, but mm. is, you know, are we doing it in the most effective way? Yeah, do you need to move away from representative democracy and more to a participative democracy where we send big issues to referendum and vote on it yeah. rather than just voting in people who are supposed to vote in our best interests and oftentimes we've seen don't. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, it, it's actually more significant than I think people really realise because the chain of events this could spark off could be huge for our country. Um, I'm, I'm with you on the moving of Australia Day, but now is the right time to do it mm. because now you've actually got the opportunity. You, you literally go, okay, we've been wanting to have a more inclusive country for a long, long time. There's been div- division on both sides of, of those, all the, all the arguments, but on this particular argument has been very, very divisive. So now you've got an opportunity where you can turn our country into a republic, bring everyone together under a new flag yep. on a new day. Yep. Like let's say that you did it this week. You know, it could be whatever date in September. Yeah. And, yeah, you literally create the inclusive country that we've been talking about for a long, long, long period of time. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's something worth worth considering. I, I mean, Labor government's not really into royals, are they? Like, they're not... I don't think so, no. You know, so, so this, this yeah, could... This things could, could be lined up for it. yeah. So and you know we, we take all the really important issues to referendum, like gay marriage. I think it's the only thing I can remember we've ever done referendum. We did it twice. 
Yeah, yeah, because I, I was thinking, uh, I, I remember a second referendum, but it was the first one on gay marriage. Yeah, yeah, failed. yeah, it was like, hey guys, remember, like, this is like if, like, we're saying gays are going to get married, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you know that? Like, gays. Yeah, and like, to give you an example of how it works in other countries, like Switzerland. Switzerland is uh, a more of a, like, citizens participate in the democracy. So they got a referendum all the time. And the system's really interesting, we've spoken about it before, where... If, if you get enough people who say sign a petition that they want a certain thing changed, it goes to a referendum. That referendum gets voted on by the people. I don't know if it's compulsory vote or not. I think it is. Mm. And whatever the majority is in that referendum, that becomes the result that then sticks in place and it can't be challenged for six years. Mm. So it actually gives you enough time to really try that, whatever yeah. that change is, for that six-year period. And then at the end of six years, you go, okay... Do, do you guys want to continue with this or, or should we change it again? And then it goes to referendum again. And I feel like that is a... I think that's a way of getting more engagement For sure. from people in their own countries as well. Like, yeah. you know... It's shaking still. Yeah, it's cool. We, we talk about all the time about how, in, in my opinion, the biggest issue with Australian politics is the compulsory vote because all that the governments do is they appeal to the disinterested majority. Because majority of Australians don't yeah. give a crap about politics. Yeah. They have to go to vote. So they just go, all right, either I really hate the, either the incumbent or the other person, so I'm going to vote against them, or this person's promising me the most money for free. I'm going to vote for them. So they either get their votes bought or they do like a protest vote. I think we saw a lot of protest votes in the last election. Mm. And I think, yeah, if you have more participative uh, democracy like an example in Switzerland they voted on um, vaccine mandates yeah that went to referendum and it only just got voted out like it was close I think it was yeah. like it would have been somewhere around 52 48 percent even with all the propaganda yeah yeah, yeah still still got interesting voted out. yeah Oh, uh-huh. shout out to um, Chris Butenhouse too, because he was the one that said to me when I was a young man, because when I was 19 yeah. years old, and I said, I don't give a shit about politics, I don't care. Yep. And he just said to me, he goes, one day you will. And yeah. now I've, I've had the, the chance, I, I spoke to a couple of um, young guys and, mm. and we were talking, had an open conversation about how they voted and, and I could see why they voted the way that they did and, and it made sense. And I was like, you know, once you start earning a little bit of money and mm. you'll realise there's like certain people were uh, uh, want that to happen certain people don't yeah and um but it's good that you're engaged i was happy that these these 19 year olds were more engaged in like they knew more policy stuff than i did when i was 19 yeah so i'll yeah. give them yeah definitely give them credit for that yeah and i think part of that too is obviously government has really been thrust into the forefront of our attention in the last two years yeah 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 like when we were 19 Government wasn't really sticking their nose into everything, every single thing that you were doing every single day. So yeah. we. Pop- I heard Scott Morrison had um, he had anointed himself king. Yeah, no, he was queen. <laughs> he took her portfolio, yeah. Queen yeah. of England. Yeah, look, fascinating stuff. Let us know in the comments. What, what do you guys think about the queen and the monarchy? And did you like? Let's let's do a little poll. Did do you, you guys? Um, well, do you guys think that this is a good opportunity to turn into a republic? If you if you could change our political system in Australia, what do you guys want to see? Because obviously we've got our thoughts on it, but the best thing about democracy is you get all the different voices and we come up with what sort of suits the, the majority and move forward from there. Is democracy flawed? Is, de- is, is a democracy just holding us back? Do we need to go to a... Do we ha- need to have our own principality? Does, um, does you know, who, who's the most... Does Hugh Jackman need to be the... Um, the triple threat Hugh Jackman. The new king of Australia. 
Do we have to have our own? Only if he dresses up as Wolverine. Like, that should be part of the deal. He has to have the He's mutton not... chops. Because we need to bring back Australia's... <laughs> President Camacho. Yeah, Camacho. Yeah, I can't remember his full name. From <laughs> idiocracy. Um, we, we do need to bring back our national identity. Because that's been my biggest pet peeve from the last few years is our the the Australia that I thought we had, it's not it. Yeah. yeah like I sure. I thought we were, you know, the crocodile dundee, tough, laid back larrikin. We're, we're not. So, and I'd love to see that brought back again. And it's funny too because I think you, you know, a lot of foreigners would look at uh, Australia and Australians and it's very easy our rep it's easy to make the correlation to a penal colony. colony. Yeah, true. Do you know what I mean? It's easy to say, well, you ruffians, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and that is our history, and it's something that I would like to separate us from mm. as well, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, tell us what you think. Mm. Tell us what you think. Yeah, yeah. Interesting times ahead. Fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I caught an interesting story, because I can see you floundering a little bit. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, my, my, it's my guts, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm in pain. You having Domino's, Domino's belly? Yeah, I'm done. Never again. That'll, that'll, never again. That'll be the next thing that the TGO puts massive amounts of funding into is trials on the effect of Domino's. But on, I, I ordered the MRNA on, on thin crust. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so speaking of the shots, um, literally only caught this uh, very briefly last night. And have only been able to find two articles to substantiate it. But in the UK, uh, now it's interesting. Obviously, when there's when there's change, that it's always a bit of a smokescreen to make other changes. Yeah. Right. So you've obviously had uh, the Queen passing away. Just prior to that, you've had the new Prime Minister sworn in. Yeah. Uh, Liz. Liz Truss. Liz Truss. Don't know anything about her. Don't have any comments on her. If you've got comments on Liz Truss, let us know. She did say that she was ready to push the button, the nuke button. Really? Yeah, they found some like, interview <laughs> with her, and and like the, the answer wasn't. It was a stupid question. Like it was, it was a public event, and yeah. and this really bombastic like interview was like, you're about to be in control of of um uh, the one of the largest nuclear weapon arsenals in the world. Are you prepared, Liz Truss, to to push the button? She's like, yeah. She's <laughs> so, like, like, whoa, you could have said, oh, I'll try and do everything else. And I'll, I'll, yeah, yeah. No, she was like, straight into it. She's like, hell yeah. <laughs> Gangster. Yeah, yeah well. Um, look, it, again, it'll be interesting to see how she goes. Like I said, don't know anything about her. I think, um, to me personally, Boris Johnson was a pretty embarrassing lead, national leader to have. Uh with the way he looks, the way he talks, the way he acts, like it was all around pretty embarrassing for, for lock down the whole the whole country except for us, so we can party. Yeah, except for Downing Street, so yeah. we can have a have a drink. Yeah, um, we all remain socially distant. Oh, not no, not that footage. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah. that footage. Yeah. clearly not. So look, she's got an opportunity. Um, but one story I did catch was that the the UK Health Services Agency has just. Uh, removed the recommendation to vaccinate kids aged 5 to 11. So it's not actually even going to be offered to those kids wow. anymore. And I'm pretty sure they never authorised it for kids under 5 either. I don't think the UK did. It's no. just us, wasn't it? it well, us in America. Canada. Oh, and Canada. Yeah. And the People's Republic of Canada. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so the, the UK... Actually, that was a funny... That was, sorry, just a real quick side yeah. note. When they were showing all like the Queen uh, coverage... That Trudeau, he was such a suck ass. Every time they're in the same thing, he'd like run to a side. 
Queensy, Queensy. Yeah. He was. It was like pathetic. Anyway, not, yeah, not a he, Hugo fan. Oh no. But I, I'm starting to look more at Trudeau, like I look at Dan Andrews, like I was speaking about Dan last week. Dweeby guy, but he's a gangster. Yeah, must Tru- be a gangster. Trudeau's a gangster too. Yeah. You can you can only lie with a straight face every single day like that if you're a truly straight up gangster. <laughs> straight up gangster. Yeah. yeah. Um, he's a fantastic actor. Like. Uh, Canadian Parliament is like the gayest soap opera <laughs> ever. It's worse than watching The Bold and the Beautiful because it's all about impassioned speeches. Have you ever watched any yeah, of yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, I it's it's so it's shit. a performance. It's 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 it's, it's performance. It's pantomime. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pantomime is probably a better way of referring yeah. to it. But yeah, really, really interesting story. It's because the UK have definitely erred on the side of caution when it comes to these vaccines more than any other Western mm. country, and. They recently also changed some recommendations around pregnant women getting it, which got really confused. I watched a Dr. John Campbell have a video on it. And the Green Book, which is like their vaccination handbook for health care workers, their Bible, so to speak, that only got updated in August to say, yeah, jab them up. But then all the other government guidance is like, oh, they should speak to their doctor about the, you know, the risks and the benefits. But could it be like here where they... They said, yeah, go speak to your doctor. And then, yeah, 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 yeah. Doctor's like... Uh, for, for audio listeners, I'll just put a gun to Alex's head. Yeah. I saying that. Yeah, it could look, it could be something similar, but... But um, it also gives some plausible deniability when, if, if, if they've got differing... Um, if there's differing news out there, yeah, it gives yeah. you a way out if, if things... But, when things go bad. But also, part of me wonders if the change in leadership of the country is the opportunity being taken out of sort of just update guidance away from doing this stuff and then when all the bad stuff comes out in the future you just blame the previous Officer, government yeah, yeah well did we not we predicted that's this. right like we predicted we change that the puppets. Yeah, yeah 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 and something else that we predicted too is obviously uh moving out of the covid sphere into like climate change and climate lockdowns and you're starting to see a lot of the signals for that especially coming out of europe well i want to come back i want i do want to come back to that but just quickly on the um the rona thing mm. um Oh, now I've lost my train of thought. Uh, that, oh, yeah, I listened to an unheard oh, yeah. interview with a guy. Who's, Great channel, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, shout out to Freddie Say. It's a really, really... Yeah, he does really good. What I like about him is I believe he's a red pillar. Yep. But he's quite happy to play the blue pill card against someone that's red pillar on his yeah, show. Yeah, he's sort of like Discernible. Matt Wong from Discernible, he's yeah. the same. Like, he, I would say he's more red pill than blue pill, but he... He even says it all the time. He goes, I will literally put anyone on my platform and when they're on, I will support them and try to make them look as good as I possibly can. Well, I would say Freddie Say does the opposite. I, I would say... Oh, he just challenges everyone? Challenges every... Yeah, 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 yeah. So he he will... He, like, if again, if so he, he's red, but if there's a blue pill guy that's in there, mm-hmm. he'll try and push hard up against it. Likewise, if there's a red pill, instead of just two red pillars jerking each other off, yeah. he will he will push Which back... Which is what this show is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> um, always been on red. Yeah. And um, but he he'll push back. Anyway, the guy that he had on, I uh, can't remember the guy's name, but he was a he's a statistician and he's gone through all the data mm-hmm. about the excess deaths. You know, yeah. I was talking about excess. Everyone's deaths. starting to talk about this now. Yeah. Um, again, it was another kind of prediction of the show that we had that excess deaths were were going to go up, and mm-hmm. we thought it was going to be solely due to the vaccine and the fact that hospitals weren't seeing people when. You know, during lockdowns and things, no one was getting there. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't just that. It was. It was all the like. It was mainly the COVID 
mitigation measures that were put in place. So it was vaccines, it was not getting proper medical care, it was lockdowns, depression, people losing businesses, yeah. income, all that sort of stuff. Like, it's the virus is one thing, but one of the things that John Campbell spoke about the other day when he was speaking about excess deaths is what's concerning about it is the excess deaths are not attributable to COVID. The excess deaths in addition to the extra deaths that you're getting from yeah, COVID. Yeah, yeah, it's like factoring factoring COVID deaths out. That's right. Yeah. And it's but the thing is it's also like it's it's excess deaths over and above the five year average, which is in an inflated five year average because it's based on twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one included. So when you you factor in the additional deaths we got from COVID, that obviously lifts the five year average score. And then so if you've then got excess deaths in addition oh, to those, saying, yeah. it's higher again. Well, and this is where I was a little bit frustrated, and I think Freddie was a little bit too with this guy, because the guy was like, no, it's all within just normal bounds. And he's like, yeah, but it's excess. So how can you explain excess? Like yeah, that's the right. Excess the term death, excess. Yeah, it means it's in excess. And it is, he, he, the guy said it's definitely inflated. And, hmm. and it's not on stuff that, like, what's not inflated is old age deaths. That's old right. age deaths are still old age deaths. Mm-hmm. But everything else is inflated. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's as you go down through the age brackets, you're seeing an increase in excess deaths in all age brackets. Yeah. And like John Campbell was saying that maybe not so much in Australia because we were relatively protected from COVID in the first year. Like we only had 29,404 cases. Yeah. <laughs> I've spoken about this a little yeah. bit. Uh, maybe it was 28404. I'll fuck that number up just because I gave myself big ups. But uh, we were pretty well protected from at the beginning. But in countries like the UK and America, where they got smashed up front from COVID, you would assume that in the uh, alpha variant, which was more deadly, deadly than all the subsequent variants, that the elderly people, the elderly or the frail or the immunocompromised, unfortunately would have passed away in that first year or year and a half. In yeah. 2020 and mid 2021. So the really concerning thing is that this excess death number that we're experiencing in 2022, the frail are already gone. Yeah. So obviously there are some old and frail who are still accounting for those numbers, but it's it's across the whole age spectrum, and that's yeah. what's so concerning about it. Like in Australia, the latest figure I saw uh, for 2022, we are experiencing 16% high like excess deaths. Yeah. So 16% higher than what we should expect based off the last five-year average, which, as I explained, is overinflated because of the COVID deaths as well. Mind you, we didn't have that many COVID deaths. So I wouldn't apply that same level of weight to that statistic as I would in the UK and America. But regardless, it's still 16% higher than we should expect this time of year. So you have to wonder what the cause of all that stuff is. Yeah, and I suppose the other, other, and and, and just sort of, pivoting a little bit the other thing that i'm still so like that i can't seem to rationalize in my mind is how there is still no workers available in australia so i know mm. that there's no internationals yeah. i know that and i can feel that in my business like i said i, I used to do a lot of business with students and mm-hmm. um and a lot of those students are the ones that go get <coughs> uh, jobs here yeah especially in agriculture and stuff fruit picking and everything yeah the slave labor but like mm. The, a lot of entry-level jobs, they, they will pick up here. Mm-hmm. And none of my network has been able to fill fill the spaces. Yeah, okay. I was talking to a recruiter during the week. He said, and he, he recruits for like um, warehousing and like packing, things like that. Yeah. He said, if you rock up, 
you've got the job. Yeah, yeah. There is no prerequisite. If you're there, yeah, right. And you've got pants on, mm-hmm. you start work. Yeah, don't even need a shirt. Yeah, shoes. yeah. It, it it is that. Um, and he didn't know because he's only young. He's twenty years old. Mm. He, he doesn't. He's never experienced what it's what it was like. Yeah, when it's the yeah. other way around. Yeah, and. Um, that doesn't seem to be a remedy. I know they're talking about it in the news, like what, what they're going to do for um, uh, allowing people in. Mm-hmm. But I don't. I, I I have the feeling that it's not a policy issue. It's a previous policy issue, which makes us unappealing uh, to the internationals. I don't think they're coming here because there's yeah. better options. Well, yeah. I, I think there's a lot involved in this if I had to just shoot from the hip on it. I think number one is we in Australia, if you only watch Australian media, you you think that we're all good. But if you've watched international media in the last two years, people are scared of coming here. Yeah. Because we, I mean, the, uh, Melbourne was the most locked down city in the world. And we had the really harsh quarantine requirements, which a lot of countries didn't have. Like I spoke to a friend of mine the other day who had to fly back during the pandemic, but couldn't get a direct flight to Brisbane. So I had to fly from um, where she was coming from to Sydney, had to quarantine there for two weeks, and then had to fly to Brisbane and quarantine again. Yeah. So like, where is the appeal? Because you're also paying $3,000 for that those quarantine hotels. So it's already expensive enough to travel to a country. Free sex, but... Oh yeah, free <laughs> sexy sex. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you got an extra six grand up your sleeve to come yeah. over here and then do an entry level shitter job for yeah. less than minimum wage because you're a, you're a migrant or an international worker. So I think that's one part of it. I think another part of it is in the last two years, uh, unfortunately, we've, we've spooked a lot of people into staying home, and a lot of I think maybe younger people who would generally be the people that would be trying to go out there to find these entry-level jobs to get themselves a foot into the workplace and make some money or whatever, I, I think that the, the incentive is just not there. Like, you look at the cost of living going up, you know, if you're going to go out and get a, I don't know what minimum wage is for some of these roles, but is it even worth doing? Especially when the government was still handing out money a lot of the time. I get too. that part, but I don't think there is any assistance anymore. So then, like, how yeah, but just stay at home at mum and dad's house because mum and dad yeah, will, could, will give you assistance. There definitely could be an element of that for sure. Yeah, for sure. I also think too that maybe, may I listened to this really interesting podcast. I can't remember if I spoke about this on the pod, but really interesting podcast with this. Uh, he was a, a political economic strategist for one of the minor parties in Victoria, but he's been doing it for like 30, 40 years. And one of the things that he explained, which I found fascinating, was the real reason why he believes Australian governments have been propping up the housing market for the last <laughs> 30 years. Okay. And what he thinks it is, is it gives the illusion that we're a wealthy country. Oh, I, I've been saying that. Yeah. yeah. I've been saying that the whole time because it adds to your GDP. Yeah. It's the easiest thing to do. To Like all this money towards it just pumps it up and now everyone's, uh, um, you know, you've moved, you've moved households from having... 50 grand in assets yeah like net to, wealth um, 50 um, grand yeah, to a million, million bucks but the thing is if you look around wages have stagnated for 20 years they haven't right. gone anywhere and and you look at what normally drives things like you know wages and growth you go okay innovation like you know all the business small business mm. um uh, like productivity that's or, right and then you look what else has happened in the last 20 years we have got no manufacturing sector in this country yeah. that only happened 10 years ago yeah uh like so all, all the things that you would normally use for nation building are gone. 
So it's like the government to try to keep people. Well, tourism's now been cooked now too. Well, yeah, yeah, tourism is cooked, yeah. <laughs> like, and has been for a long time. But the government has. I feel like we're only seeing now how number one reliant on foreign workers we were yeah. to do the shit jobs that people didn't really want to do. Yeah. But also, yeah, we've all been tricked into thinking that we are going well because oh, housing prices keep going up. That must mean that everyone's going good. And it's like, well, in reality, you're not. Well, you, <laughs> problem is, it, yeah, you, you can have you can have this wealth tied up in your house, but you can't do anything with it. Yeah, because like, what are you going to do? If you sell it, you have to go and pay overs for another house somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. Or you're you're paying rent through the nose because the rent's based off the mortgage that the the owner has over that property. So I mean, negative gearing does help that. To a degree, but I think if you ask renters, you would see that rent price have gone up a fair bit over in the, in the last year or so. Mine's gone backwards. Really? So mine, uh, we've moved, we've been in three places since we've been in Brisbane, yeah. and our rent's gotten cheaper every time. Yeah, but have you, like they may still be rent increases on what the previous tenant was paying. Maybe. Potentially, I don't know. Maybe. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting because I was like, that's, that's a very interesting take on it of like it sort of keeps the people because if you just overnight went okay every house the actual value of it's only 50% of what it is now like everyone would think that the world's gonna explode yeah. and fall over but it wouldn't no because if my house which is 600 became worth 300 well I could still sell that and go and buy another $300,000 house. Correct. Right? And then, then it sort of brings everything back into line again. And I, I do wonder if we're going to get any sort of mass rectification like that. Well, see, I, I still think we are in bubble town. Even though the stock market has an absolute shellacking, mm. especially US US stock market in particular. Look, I mean, look at Bitcoin. Bitcoin's down to like under 30000 um, Australian, Australian dollars, dollars yeah. now. But I know heaps of people who are who have who are building pools who are building mm. new houses who are yeah. getting extensions who are getting and that's that's all the kind of stuff in a stagnated economy that stuff doesn't happen yeah yeah or there's less of it yeah. and look aspects of it are the fact that I'm older my demographic is is has, is making good money now yep. but at the same time there's no the the whole idea of interest rate rises is to add a level of austerity where you, you you're going to you're trying to slow the volatility of yeah, money, that's right. but it doesn't seem to have slowed. You know, it, to me, no, it still seems like people have ramped. Yeah, and, and in a way, I I feel like all it's really going to do is it's not going to slow down the purchasing of properties or anything like that. It's just going to make poor and middle-class people not be able to afford their mortgages and fire sale their houses to rich people. Uh, yeah, okay, I want to... I do want to say this, though. Like, um, I, had a, I had a conversation with a young guy... Mm-hmm. And we're all taught, and, and, and there's another guy who, who's he's got quite a few um, investment properties. He's about my age. Yeah. And the young guy goes, oh, man, I just can't believe it. Like, I, I could never do it. I could never buy. Mm. And I said to him, have you actually th- probably thought about buying? Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I've thought about it. I'm like, but have you done any, like, have you done any numbers? Have you, mm. you know, do you know how much deposit you need? Do you know what the payment's going to be? No. And I said, well, if you had a plan and you executed the plan, mm-hmm. you could have one. Yeah, I now, now yeah. so where I, I think that sentiment that you, you've just said is, um, I don't know how real it is. I don't believe it to be real because if it is not, um, 
Now, maybe it's unreasonable to buy the million dollar property as your first mm-hmm. in the in the hot area, but that argument could have been made in the eighties when someone wasn't willing to spend fifteen thousand dollars on a house, so they had to go spend five thousand to go further out. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think all that same stuff is now. I don't think I do not think it's harder to get into the property game now. It's it's just uh, you've just got to make the sacrifices if that's what you want. Look, I don't think it's impossible to get into, and obviously, if you want to get into it, sacrifices need to be made. Mm. But this is what my statement's based on. Uh, when a lot of people who have complained about interest rates going up, and uh, a lot of the pushback is, oh, oh, who who would have bought a house thinking that rates weren't going to go up because they were buying them at record low rates, and I don't think people were expecting the like triple whammy of rates to go like we, we've this has been the most i think are we at the highest interest rates now since 2014 maybe oh, probably, probably yeah and, and with more rate rises to come so i think two two more so I, I predicted seven and we're up to five rate rises yeah and i think we'll get more before the end of the year yeah and so you've had sort of not unprecedented but very quick rate rises in the last six months factored on top of uh you know, increase in energy costs, fuel's gone through the roof, electricity's gone through the roof. So you've got that factor on top of it as well. You've also got the cost of living as far as fruit, vegetables, just general things. So it's not just interest rates going up, therefore people can't afford it. I think it's interest rates on top of a lot of those things. And then you factor in things too of like, a lot of people probably bought their houses when they're running their small businesses, which their businesses have gone under in the last two years. So the amount of income that they've had coming in has changed. Or... You know, like we you we were just saying before, wages have stagnated for the last twenty years, but housing price has gone through the roof. I think as a percentage of your annual income in the last twenty years, like what what would houses have been twenty years ago? Well, I can tell you this because I had this conversation yesterday. Okay. When I bought my place in two thousand and eight, yep. mm-hmm. my mortgage cost was eighty percent of my wage. Yeah, so Which, and at even at the time, if you if your living expenses were fifty, so your lodging expenses were fifty percent of your wage, you were deemed as under uh, financial pressure. Yeah, and so eighty percent. So you the so today, a person in the same situation as you would not be given a loan. Yes, correct. So that's something to consider. Obviously, that makes it harder to get in because some people like you, you you weren't in the the best financial position to get in. But once you were in, you could work your ass at it yeah, and, and you could true. maintain it, right? But that is one But that's case. coming back. Okay, Because bank, banks are flexing now. I mean, with the, um, someone sent me, there's, there's a bank offering um, 3% deposits again. That's what I got. You know, I, yeah. a 3% dipper. And also, so what did the price of your property do between when you bought it and when you sold it? Uh, it went up. Yeah. Um, it went up a hundred and like a hundred and sixty grand. So as a per- in fifteen years. So as a percentage of its value, what's that? How do you how do you figure that? Um, thirty thirty percent. Yeah. What have wages gone up by in that time? Well, okay, I would say from over eight to fifteen, they went up by that. But, but we're talking about and now. Then, and then, and I don't then, think wages went up by 30% between 08 and 15. More, 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 Yours did as you got promoted months. through the industry. Yeah, but, but it's natural. Just, yeah. But also going 08, like, then global financial crisis. 
but but that's that's kind of my point. My point yeah. is that the, there are these ebbs and ebbs and flows of of economies, yeah. and they actually don't last as long. Like that, fifteen years is not really that long a time for sure. Especially if you're in the investor class, who's poised to to strike now. Yeah, because there will be people who will be selling properties now because they can't afford them. And the Johnny on the spot people available to buy these things are investors, superannuation companies, you know, people in, with money who are available to, to make these purchases now. Yeah, and look, those people will always win. Which doesn't stop the velocity. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't stop the velocity of the money. So getting back to the original point, you're talking about how the whole point of putting interest rates up is to stop the velocity of money or slow it down. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It doesn't do that. Well, no, no, it, it, it does because... What it, it's the non-investor class that it does it to because what happens is you you have a house and now your interest rate's gone up from you know in the late twos to the mid fives. Yeah. You no longer have like your your mortgage has gone up five hundred bucks a month, yeah. so you don't have that five hundred to spend on other shit. That's that's where yeah. it's supposed to slow the velocity. That that's the idea. I agree yeah. with you to to a point that there's still going to be house deals that are that are done. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a simmering of the market. I know that for sure. Um, just on the fuel pricing real quick mm-hmm. because uh, fuel is cheap today Yeah, but people need to understand the barrel price is 86 bucks. I know it, and that's the thing. Where is the cost coming from? So that is... Because the, I'm seeing all these news articles now of like, oh, better fill up your tank before October because that's when the uh, 20 cent per litre tax reduction is ending. I thought it ended last month. No, they put it back on again. But right. apparently it's supposed to be okay, until that's, October now. Yeah. So that's, that's again, that's another that's thing. A gouge. This is a gouge. Yeah. 100%. And the fact that we have, you know, a Labor government in charge who's not calling this out as a gouge. Like, because what, what, the, the, what was the price of fuel per barrel a year ago? Uh, so last year. So f- one year. A year ago, seventy bucks. So seventy bucks. Okay. What was it two years ago? Two years ago, it was. So you're saying twenty twenty? Yeah. Well, uh, it dropped to twenty bucks a barrel. That is an anomaly. So yeah. if, if you said this one here, it's forty five bucks a barrel. So forty five bucks a barrel. Okay. So look, maybe that isn't that bad. All things considered. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure didn't fuel get up to like one hundred and forty bucks a barrel or something? Fairly recently, like within the last six months. No, I think that was a so the highest was one fifty. Oh, this is US one fifteen. So yeah, yeah, you could say one fifty. Yeah, yeah, Australian, Australian Australian dollars. As a bit of a so um, it's almost half what it was. Yeah, and fuel prices are about to go up again. Yeah. Now, have you heard people in the um, uh, some European countries costing over a hundred dollars to fill to fill a Tesla Tesla with electricity? Yes. And this is this is where this is where my conspiratorial brain. Well, before in. before you do that, mm-hmm. we spoke about this, but I um, last pod, but I didn't do the um, uh, I did the research after. Mm. Do you know what? Well, you do know because I told you what percentage of our electricity is renewable in Australia. Yeah, it's like eight percent. Eight percent, and do you know of that eight percent? Do you know how much is solar and wind? Uh, no. Two. Right. Okay. And then, so 36% of the 8% yeah. is burning agricultural waste. Yeah. So it's like cane, sugar cane mulch burn offs yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And so, I bet you if you ask anyone on the street, they would not think No, that because that, cause again. And that's as per a government website. Sugar cane mulch is renewable energy. Yeah. Because you can grow it again. 
Yeah, like, but also you're you're sucking out carbon. That that's where you suck carbon to uh, to to grow it, and yeah. you put it back into to burn, burn it. it. The yeah. circle, the circle of life. Yeah, yeah, the circle of energy. Um, yeah, there's there's like as Alex was saying, there's stories coming out of um, particular was it Netherlands. Yeah, some or Norway maybe um, European countries where it's actually costing you more now to fill your Tesla than it is to fill a petrol car because of the uh, energy crisis that they have going on in those countries. And there, I also caught the start of the, uh, Friday's No Agenda as well, where they spoke about how... So I think we mentioned it maybe last week, that the UK is increasing their energy caps, their price caps, uh, by three times, to like three and a half grand. Yeah. Anyway, when the new Prime Minister's come in, she's put in some plan where she's going to be, instead of the cap being, I think it was roughly like $1,800 last year, instead of it going to £3,500, it's going to be capped to like 2100 But the mechanism was really interesting because in a lot of la-di-da political speech, essentially what she said was the way they were going to be capping it because they were acknowledging increased costs of production for the energy providers was not necessarily that they were capping the price on it, but that they would be, the government would be funding the difference. That's what we're doing here. Right. So you might think, oh, I'm only paying my £2,100 a year. I'm saving £1,400. But your taxpayer dollars are then being used to pay the difference between what it was produced at and what it's actually worth. Which then, where do those taxpayer dollars come from? Printing or borrowing, which increases inflation, which increases the cost of energy... And this, this Merigo, so in other words, their taxpayer dollars are just literally funding the electricity companies in the back door, Yep. which is price gouging. Again, yep. it's just, it's profiteering. It's, yep, absolutely. So just another example of... Now, there is a very big market issue, which is the sanctions on Russia. Like yep. what, they can fix their problems mm-hmm. if they remove the sanctions because it's yep. going to increase the supply. Yeah. The demand st- still stays high. Yeah. And, like, it literally will fix it. Yeah, so artificial sanctions on Russia is what's affecting the people. Correct. But I also think that, uh, and look, maybe if we do create our own new country again, I think electricity should be a state-run utility, and they should make it as cheap as they possibly can. Nuclear. Well, yeah, whether it's nuclear or whatever it is, but I don't, I think that electricity in a rich first world nation should be classed as a human right, and because everything, everything runs on electricity, yeah. and the state should run it for as cheap as possible. Um, California's got a... They've got brownouts at the moment. They've mm-hmm. been told to cap their air conditioning um, to, like... What's 86 degrees Fahrenheit? Hey, Siri. What's 86 degrees Fahrenheit in Celsius? 86 degrees... 30. So they've yeah. been told to put their no, no, air conditioning... No, it's not even told to. It's worse than that. It's people who bought these smart air conditioning systems. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've yeah. lost access to their own thermostats. <laughs> right. Don't buy smart shit. Yeah, it's smart it's shit's so stupid. dumb. It's so it's dumb. dumb okay. shit. Um, so just quickly because we're running out of time. Yeah. Um, uh, the renewables that that California have make up three percent. So very similar to here, three yeah. percent of their supply. Mm-hmm. The nuclear facility that they only use part time was built in nineteen eighty five right. and makes six percent. Yeah. So all the um, the level of investment that's gone into the renewables, mm-hmm. it was something like 10 times the amount that was spent on the nuclear facility. Yeah, and the nuclear makes double and it was built 30 years ago. And is not used to its capacity. Yeah. 
and, and we've got to move to nuclear. But this is a thing that people, because again, the propaganda doesn't tell people the truth. Mm. The truth is, like even with the small amount of renewable energy that we have in Australia, it is massively government subsidised. So like when I'm saying that the government should run electricity and it should be a state-run utility, and you might go, oh, that's just going to be wasteful of taxpayer money. No, we're already wasting the taxpayer money by pushing these renewables, which aren't aren't giving us the level of production that we require, at I'm, least not now. And I think that you we've said it before, you need to invest in both. Yeah. You need to bring those technologies into the fore. But the answer is not torpedoing your economy and the living standards of your entire population for probably decades to just like just on this um, moral, which again, as you've already detailed, the, the moral argument of renewable energy is bullshit when you consider we're burning sugar cane mulch for it. Yeah. So we're releasing these these carbon emissions anyway. Like it's it is it is political grandstanding. Yeah which justifies the spending of public money and the profiteering by people who've invested in these green technologies that all get the go-aheads from the politicians at the expense of the taxpayers' money and quality of life. Let's move to a new nuclear republic. Nuclear republic. So what would you call the nuclear republic of Australia? Like, would you have to change the name of the country if you're starting a new country? Nah, that might be a bit major. Yeah. That's fine. Keep it the same. I did. I thought that was going to be the perfect close, by the way. And yeah, shat on and it. I, I stood all over it. <laughs> um, yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, like, I we, think the name is of this episode is Nuclear Republic. The Nuclear Republic of Australia? Yeah. Well, nuclear, just Nuclear Republic. Nuclear Republic. Right, let's go with that. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. We will see you next week. Bye.